Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, episode 259 of the Get Around Podcast, and what a show we have coming up for you today. Uh, lots of football talk, uh, a lengthy and in-depth interview with uh, Red Wings blogger from the Malik Report, George Malik, who is uh, kind enough to stop by the Traverse City Record Eagle offices after the NHL uh, Prospects Tournament wrapped up uh, this past week on Sunday and then right ahead of Red Wings training camp, which begins Thursday. Uh, and then we've got, of course, the red and white game coming up at center ice at noon on Sunday. A lot going on this week. Uh, we've got... Sold out red white game. Already, yeah. yeah. It was sold out like weeks ago, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. We've got uh, Titans versus Trojans this week on the soccer field and the volleyball court. Uh, football, of course. Uh, big cross-country races coming up uh, on Saturday out in Cadillac. I was looking at the list of teams. I think it's almost every single area team that we cover. A lot, a lot going on this week after a week in which a lot went on. Literally. And that is how we'll open the show. Uh, and before we do that, of course, let's hear a word from our sponsor, Jimmy John's. This episode of The Get Around is brought to you by Jimmy John's. Jimmy John's has two locations here in Traverse City. Freaky Fresh, Freaky Fast. Jimmy John's. Freaky yeah. Yeah. All right, episode 259 of The Get Around Podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Queeley. Joining me, James Cook and Jordan Puente. Question of the week. Let's get things started right there we had the frankfurt iron man and i don't know if i should tell you guys this now or wait until i'll wait until happy endings to tell you something that greatly lifted my spirit and it's a little inside baseball in the journalism world nice uh but it's a it was really really cool how it happened so i'll, I'll save it for then I'll, that's a nice little tease to get everybody to listen to the rest of the episode mm-hmm. so but you'll want to stick around for the happy endings and then you'll be like that was it that was what you wanted to... That's not that <laughs> cool no. at all. That seems like it's really just the thing that would make you happy. But that's the point. That's the point. That's um, the point. All right, so we had the Frankfurt Ironman uh, on Saturday. We also had the Great Lakes Strongest Man uh, on, on Saturday. Or, or, I'm sorry, Frankfurt Ironman on Sunday. Sunday, the yeah. Frankfurt Iron... Or, or the Great Lakes Strongman on Saturday. There you go. There you uh, go. And a big shout-out to our former senior sports writer here at the Traverse City Record Eagle, Brett Summers, uh, former podcast host here uh, in the get-around chair. Uh, Brett Summers, yeah, he won his division. Oh, won again? Won. Uh, like a fourth, fifth straight? No, he didn't. This was his first This was his first win in his division uh, at the Great Lakes uh, Strongest Man. And, uh, yeah, he can, he can lift heavy things. He can. Did you see that trophy? I didn't. Oh, it's pretty oh, sweet. Oh, it's a nice trophy. Yeah. It's, like, it's like a personalized wooden bat since it was held at Turtle oh, Creek Stadium. Oh, nice. So it's got like the, you know, the, you know, the weight class says like Great Lakes, you know, strongman competition. And then, uh, you know, it has like, I think the weight class engraved on there and everything. But it's pretty oh, cool. Yeah, I didn't see it. I saw him very briefly uh, Saturday night uh, over at Fresh Coast. Um, and I did not see him with the bat over his shoulder. So. <laughs> Probably should have just been carrying that thing around all night, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It would have been a, a good good talking piece. Good <laughs> yeah, way to start usually. conversations. Yeah, and then before Fresh Coast, we were at uh, the coin slot. Luckily, we were there the day before the stabbing. Whoa. 
Right. Wow. Yeah, you okay. Don't wanna, wow, just threw that out there. You don't want to be there on the... Wow. During the... Or being the one getting stabbed. So, all right. As we've digressed from the question of the week, which we haven't even gotten to yet, and I think I mentioned that at least a minute ago. So, question of the week. Do you think you could finish the Frankfurt Iron Man? If not, what feat of endurance would you be able to complete? Oh, and then bonus question of the week. Would you rather have to attempt the Frankfurt Iron Man or the Great Lakes Strongest Man? Could I finish the Frankfurt Iron Man? No. Not even close. No. I can't. Yeah, I don't think even, I could do the 1.2 mile swim. No. Dude, I, so I did a one mile swim when I was like in high school. I but can't. man, even then, when I was like prime physical condition, that was grueling. That's a lot. I have a tough time swimming to shore after going out to like the second sandbar. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, wow. my knees were sore walking to the Ironman. Yeah, I was about to touch <laughs> on that, Park too. about a mile away. Yeah, it's a lot. in Frankfurt because all the parking is taken up. Like, Gone. every back road and everything, and it was about a mile to get there. But, man, I, I, hats off to those people for doing that. I that think, is crazy. I think that when I went to pick up uh, your media credentials on Saturday, thanks to Jordan, by the way, for uh, reminding me on Saturday. Say, hey, man. Did you pick up those uh, media press, passes? Those media passes, <laughs> uh, to which I responded uh, oh, with a swear <laughs> and went, "Oh my god, I forgot!" And that was like four forty-five. Yeah, it was like I four, looked and online it, and was yeah. like, "Oh my god, when is pickup?" And I knew it was Saturday. You said seven o'clock, and, and you're like, was, "On my seven, way." It was seven p.m. that they that they wrapped up like, uh, pickup, okay. and so I hopped in the shower and then got out there. Uh, but I'm pretty sure I, and I, I, I wasn't sure at the time, but I'm, I was like, wow, this seems like a very cloak and dagger meeting. Like they were all underneath the one big tent. There was, it was all like this huge meeting. And I, I thought it was just going to be easy. So I brought my dog Saint and I had him on a leash. I was like, I'll take him for a walk and it'll yeah. be nice. I'll go up there. I'll pick up the credentials. I have my dog. It'll be a nice thing that people will, you know, people love dogs. They like mm-hmm. to see dogs. Oh, I love your dog. Um, and uh, he was extremely excited nice. and uh, took one of the longest peas in front of two people <laughs> who were just trying to have a conversation. <laughs> and, and it was, it nice. was, I'm like, let's wrap this up, buddy. I, wow. It's still going. Yeah. He peed like, 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 Ad, it was like Adam Sandler. It was, yeah. It, yeah, it was, it was something. Um, and so I'm walking around the Ironman village trying to find where the media credentials tent is or the pickup tent or whatever and couldn't find it and finally i asked someone i said hey do you know where i can get my press passes and they're like we don't even know what that is it's like well i work with the record eagle i'm trying to get my media credentials and uh one guy was like well we're we're just the contractor we're just here to help set up we don't we don't know um and then one of the others was like well i'll go i'll go check they're having a meeting and i'm like okay i'll go and i'll wait and then I went, I don't have time to wait. So I decided that I was just going to interrupt the meeting. And I walked into the tent. And it was all very, like, hush-hush. And they were talking about things. And then last night on Twitter, I saw that our Secretary of Transportation, uh, Pete Buttigieg, 
Oh boy. Was a competitor in the okay. Frankfurt Ironman. That's who it was. I asked about that. <laughs> That's who it was. We didn't heard about this. There was somebody racing in it that had to have like special clearance, like on the swim, that nobody could be around them. Yes. Yeah. So and this I, and I asked is about what it. They and were they did oh my gosh! About. Wow, it makes sense now. This it was all I was because I was listening and I'm I, I walked in Pete. and I'm listening and they're like so, I can't remember what they said to be like but so uh, well uh, they'll be there with him to get him from point A and I just thought they were talking about just some random stuff like they they were just going over like what would happen they were not they were discussing security details <laughs> for United States Secretary of Transportation <laughs> Pete Buttigieg uh, who's husband is from Traverse City, mm-hmm. I believe, and they have a home in Traverse City, or they vacation I think in Traverse they, City. I think they live they're, here fairly... They're here a lot. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I, saw, uh, I saw a tweet of him in his wetsuit uh, last night, and I went... It was like the light bulb went off. That's crazy, because we asked about that, and the one who kind of the organizer, the, uh, per, yeah. per se, he had no clue what we were talking about. He's like, I, I guess maybe, maybe he couldn't. It's well maybe above he was my not pay grade. allowed to talk about it. Yeah, yeah he, that's I'm, well above my because, pay grade. Well, because I'm I'm going to guess that by the when we were talking to him, uh, Buttigieg had not finished yet. Oh, oh, so, so they, he probably couldn't say anything until he had gotten. Yeah, across his the time. Line and they, let, wow. Let's let's look it up real quick. Wow. Sorry, though, I, I will look up the the time for. Man, that makes so much more sense because we were so dead Here's on to the point where it's like it's someone and, high. Yeah, class. they do. Yeah, because I looked it up last night. Um, but I mean, it, it makes sense that it does. They had to keep that in the hush hush. Yeah. Well, yeah. One yeah, because I mean. We're just wrapping up. I think we just finished the final trials of the men who uh, yeah, yeah. plotted to kidnap uh, uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, it's not like they're like... A lot of things going through their minds right yeah. now. Yeah. Like they didn't want yeah. so a situation to happen in Frankfurt. As, as he's listed, Peter Buttigieg uh, awesome. in the... Male, 40 to 44 group, finished in six hours, 31 minutes, and two seconds. Okay, so yeah, so he was nowhere near close finishing <laughs> when uh, we were... Oh, my. Because we I was just gone. after the women's winner. Yeah, we were gone. Yeah, Ed, we... Ed finished. You, you were interviewing... Ed interviewing the women's winner, and then I went yeah. over to Joel Gaff and was yeah. asking him about some of the other details for the story. And wow. I asked him about... That I heard that somebody here needed Homeland Security. Yeah, there's a video uh, clearance. of him. For the race, and he was like, "I, I don't know what you're talking about." Yeah, it was it was <laughs> odd because I walked in and I was just standing there, and Saint was just outside the tent whining and barking, and some person looked at me and was like, "Can we help you?" <laughs> I went, "Yeah, I am so sorry to interrupt this. What seems like a very important meeting, which it was. Uh, I need my media credentials." And they said, "Did you register?" I was like, "Yeah, it should be for James Cook and and Jordan Puente." And they didn't even look in the books. They just, a guy just handed me the yeah, two pieces of plastic and said, like, hey, sorry, I don't have any lanyards. And then two other people were like, ah, oh, you can have my lanyard. No, you can have my lanyard. So that's why you guys have lanyards. I love that. Yeah, that's cool. But Although, here, technically. Yes. Finisher. Yes. We did, we did that. How did you get a medal? We did that. We know. We asked for we one. Asked. <laughs> they gave. <laughs> They You're gave? like, we want some swag for our podcast, dude. Well, that is hat. exactly what we did. <laughs> I have a hat in my car I'll bring after the podcast I asked, is over. I asked Joel Gaff. If, I'm like, hey, can we have something for the podcast studio? 
and uh, he went over and got us a, got a, a an Ironman 70.3 Michigan finisher's medal. Sweet. We did it, guys. We Very did it. Very nice. We did it. That was awesome. So we all agree that none of us could do that, right? Heck no. Heck no. I, I got tired speed no. walking from Frankfurt High School to I the mean, finish given, line. Given as much time as no. possible, I think I could do it. Maybe the bike. Maybe the bike. Yeah, and I, I The mean, swimming and running, no. The bike, maybe. Saint and I... And maybe. I mean, and then even my, my previous dogs, we've... I've done we, eight miles we've gone, on bike before. You know, eleven, twelve miles before. So I, I think I could do that. Same. The only thing that I would struggle with, not the the only thing. The only thing that I don't know if I could finish, without dying, would be the one point two mile swim. And that's why I understand why they put that first. Mm-hmm. It makes sense that they put the swim first because that's the most dangerous, and then the bike yeah. second because that's the next dangerous. And then running, you just have to be able to stay on your feet. Yeah. Yeah. And not uh, stumble and fall. That was one thing. I, when I was afterwards, when I was talking to Joel Gaff, the race director, I asked him, I'm like, so is it kind of a relief when this race is over? <laughs> you know, because he was talking about how excited he was that it was race day and everything. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, no, he's like, but I, we do get, we do have a sigh of relief when everybody makes it out of the water. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's a tiring thing, dude. I mean, it's 1.2 miles. Yes, that is That's crazy. A lot. I mean, it's just absolutely wild. So, okay. <laughs> no. So, so, all, so on Saturday, you did the shower car dog walk triathlon. Yep. There you go. Yep. Nice. You finished your own triathlon. And That's then right. uh, after, after that, I took Saint to a, my new favorite spot that I found. Uh, this was thanks to... Uh, the, the feature that I wrote about Ella, Ella Gaylord and Paul Gerhardt, uh, which ran Sunday, uh, I brought Saint to that interview as well because I was like, oh, well, I'm, I'll be out there in the area. I'll find somewhere to go take him for a hike. Mm-hmm. And I asked uh, Paul's wife, Janelle, I said, hey, or, or I, I just asked, I said, hey, does it, do you guys know like a good hiking trail or a good spot to go um, with, with your dog. And Paul's wife, Janelle was like, yeah, here's a couple of spots. And so I went and I, I found one and it's this beautiful beach in Alberta, right on Lake Michigan. It's huge and empty. Oh, is that the secluded one? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the same beach that Brian got married on. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. Yeah. It is Gorgeous. So mm-hmm. I went there sun last Sunday after the interview with Ella and Paul. I took Saint there. And then I'm like, well, I'm going out there to pick up the press passes. I might as well just go there again with Saint. So I go there with Saint. I know that we have not talked about anything related to sports at all so the far. Triathlon this. sports. Beautiful. Yeah. It's sports. Uh, so uh, I, I'm like, oh, we'll go there and we'll go for a walk. And he's so excited. He is, whenever he gets to run around and explore Wide and, open be, places. and be free, he loses his mind. Love that. And so he is dragging me down <laughs> just like, as, I mean, poor dog is choking himself to try to get that. And I'm trying to keep up with him, but I'm in, I'm in the shoes that I'm in now, walking on the sand, not great sand shoes. And we get down there, and there is no one else on the beach except for probably about Three three hundred and fifty yards down the beach, there is a couple and their dog. Oh, nice! And 
I'm like, well, Saint's really good about staying close to me. He is. He's usually really good about staying close to me. So I'm like, I'll, I'll let him off, and he'll run down to the water, and that'll be fine. I let him off. He books it for that <laughs> dog and those people down there. But he gets about, I don't know, maybe 100, 150 feet away from me and realizes that he has to poop. <laughs> so he squats and he takes a big old dump. And I, as a dog owner, I always have dog poop bags on me, so it wasn't a problem. But as soon as he was done pooping, and I think even before he was done pooping, he was already sprinting down there to go get the dog. So I am now running after him and trying to catch up with him, yelling Saint, which he isn't hearing because the waves coming in from Lake Michigan that Flashing. day were huge. <laughs> Monster waves. And I am running down there, and he goes, and he starts playing with this dog, and both of those dogs come sprinting back toward me, jump into the water, they play around, and they go sprinting back, and I talked to this very nice couple, and they were very understanding. They were like, no, this is great. This is what our dog needed, too, so we're really happy that you showed nice. up. And then I had to walk back and try to find where he pooped because I couldn't just leave his poop. But Because I, I, I was chasing past him, so I ran past the poop. <laughs> and then I had to come back you didn't step and on try. It? No, eventually I found it. Um, on your shoes? And, uh, yeah, carried around. We did. We then, after he was done with that, we walked a half hour down the beach and a half hour back so I was carrying a big that bag is awesome. of That's funny. sandy dog <laughs> poop for, for an hour um, yeah story time with Brendan sorry love that I know that I do this every week but it was it, it was Saturday was not it, it was a day we'll sounds like Saturday it Saturday was a day sounds like it you're welcome um, for the reminder by the way for the day Yes, yeah, you, you <laughs> saved the day. You definitely saved the day by, because I would have forgotten. I, I, not only would I have forgotten, I did forget. Oh, yeah. The only reason that I didn't uh, forget was because you reminded me. So, all right, bonus question of the week. Which one would you rather do, Frankfurt Ironman or Great Lakes Strongest Man? You've got to do one of them. Oh, no, oh, no. Strongest Man. I think so, too, because I can be pretty like, much, the just be like, nope, can't do that. Yeah, that's, that was my logic behind it, too. <laughs> that makes sense. I was like, oh, Ooh. sorry. Yeah, I tried to sorry. lift it. I tried, but I can't lift this. Yeah. Uh, I think the, well, I mean, we just talked about, I'd, can you I'd do like, anything? Hey, Brent, come here. Can you help me? <laughs> I just try to lift this, please. Tag team. Yeah, I, I'll be the strong, strongest man, same thing. I've tried to lift it. Nope, can't do this. All right, we're done here. Just trying to wrap it up a little bit. But, yeah, I'm with you guys on that one. I, I do think that I would. For me, for me, I think I'm going to go with the Frankfurt Ironman. Okay. One, because I, yeah, I I probably couldn't do the 1.2-mile swim, but I'd like to try. There you go. Uh, and with the Great Lakes Strongest Man, I, I know for a fact that I would end up with a hernia. And I don't, I don't want one of those. No. So. That too. Okay. Well, that will wrap up a lengthy 19-minute uh, opening to the show Love uh, it. as we get into the Area Code game, which we get to play this week. We didn't play it last week because uh, Area Code 259 is not a uh, area code that is in use in the United States, but 260 is. So let's make our guesses for 260. I'll get us started. Uh, last night I watched uh, two movies, rewatched two movies, while putting together the schedule for this week. Um, nice. I watched Talladega Nights, the yes. ballad of Ricky Bobby. Yes. And then I followed that up with, uh, I did a, a double feature of Will Ferrell 
and John C. Riley, and followed that up with Step Brothers. I love it. So okay. I've got two choices that I can I, I can take here. I can either go with Talladega, mm -hmm. or I can go with Catalina for the Catalina wine mixer from Step Brothers. Uh, and I'm trying to I'm trying to decide which one two six zero. Which coast are you gonna go? Yeah, man. Right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, I I think I will just for the fun of it. I'll take the one not in the title of the movie. Uh, I'll go with Catalina, California. It's the Catalina wine mixer. Okay. And that'll be my guess, since the only TV show that I'm watching right now that isn't professional wrestling is called Gangs of London. Did uh, you watch Friday? Wrestling at all? Did you watch I, the Friday? Uh, I did the eventually, Rock. but not until. Oh, did you miss The Rock then? I didn't see it live. Oh. Yeah. Well, I was at the. Oh yeah, you are. You are. Yeah, of course, yeah, of course, of course. I was, I was working. Yeah, you were, of course, man. So legendary. Um, the dude just showed yeah, up. Yeah. So that I'll I'll take Catalina, California for the area code two six zero. What about you guys? Uh, I'm still stuck. So I finished the office, which is the last thing that I set for the area code. I am now in Pawnee, Indiana. Back to Pawnee. To for Parks and Rex. Okay. Yeah, I'm rewatching. Uh, shows that you know make me happy, and Parks and Rec is one of those shows. Makes sense. Yeah, that's a that's a great comfort show. Uh, it is a l beautiful one. We haven't really watched any new shows, any, like TV shows. We've okay. just been watching extra episodes, you know, the new episodes. Of that's other, why I think of we can like, we can introduce so, movies now into correct. this. Correct. So, I'm, oh, I'm cheating. I did. This okay, week. I did watch some stand-up comedy this weekend. So oh. I watched Kyle Kinane's new special. Oh, nice. Nice. Um, and he is from Chicago. Okay. So I'll go Illinois. All right, two six zero. I think it was. I, I think it was filmed in Chicago too. Okay. Perfect. All right. I love you, movie. Is All right, so we've got comedians. Catalina, Pawnee, and Chicago. I'll, yeah. I'll write these down real quick with a pen that I don't have. That you nice. now have. Calcanini is <laughs> just one of the best comedians. I just. Have you ever heard his stuff? I like his 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 delivery and his his voice. Yeah. He's funny. Is what. Puts him over the top for me. He used to be the Very voice fun. of Comedy Central. Yeah. Yeah. He was the yeah. voice on all the commercials, uh -huh. the promos. So let us now get into the Pulse uh, and the Pulse and the Get Around Podcast brought to you by Jimmy John's. Here's a word from our sponsors. This episode of the Get Around is sponsored by Jimmy John's, two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich with the Jimmy John's app. Jimmy John's, freaky fresh. Freaky fast. Freak yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, boys, getting into the pulse. We're talking football. And uh, get us started right now. We're going to run through all of our teams and their records. I've got them listed from 4-0, 3-1, 2-2, 1-3, and 0-4. And 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 I've got questions about all of those. Let's do it. Right now, we've got three undefeated teams left at 4-0. I can't believe we're already pat. We're into now week five of the high school football season. Craziness. Soak it in. Just soak it in. Just enjoy it while, while we're here. We've got three undefeated teams left right now. Frankfurt, Gaylord, and Manistee. I'll ask a, a few questions here. Who's the best of those three? Which one is the most surprising? And who has the best chance of finishing the season undefeated? Ooh. James? Um... I don't know that any of those three are surprising because we kind of thought that those teams would be good. Yes. Uh, I, I guess Frankfurt might be the biggest surprise just because they were, they're always a couple of injuries away from 
just because they only have 16, 18 guys on the team, like like a couple of injuries could really derail the season type of thing for them, more so than bigger schools. Um, but I, I think all three of those schools were ones at the beginning of the season that we thought were going to be pretty darn solid teams, and, and they've all obviously justified that. I like Elwood. I mean, <clears throat> you should I, since you're going to see him this exactly. week. Exactly. Yeah. So that's a great. Hey, thank you. Great opening right there. Honestly, I if I can see him winning, but they haven't. I wrote. I have some. I wrote something down here. It's been a minute since uh, they had Cadillac, so it could be a sport. Cadillac could spoil their perfect season if they want. But um, I mean, they all playing really good ball. And I, I'm with James. I can't really see any of them losing, but one of them is going to wind up losing. Injuries happen. That can derail some of these teams. But I'm, I wouldn't say we're surprised. I think we kind of expected it. Same thing with Cadillac. I mean, I guess you could say we're surprised by that, but really, I, I'm not. I'm yeah, not. Cadillac is, is one of our 3-1 our teams, so we've got 4-0 Gaylord versus 3-1 Cadillac at Cadillac coming up on Friday at that beautiful new field. Uh, Jordan, you should be very happy that you get to head out oh, there I am and, thrilled. Uh, and cover that game. Uh, Manistee, I, I really like this Manistee team, and I think a lot of it has to do with the uh, the head coaching. Um, Troy, is it Bitework? Bitework, yeah. Bite, how do you pronounce his last name? Yep. That dude is so passionate about high school football and yeah. teaching his boys to play the game uh, both the right way and – uh, the best way that I mean this is this is great I think so much of this they really were able to take the momentum they had at the end of last season and translated it into the first four weeks of this season and I know James you even said it to me we were kind of a wait and see on Manistee like, how are they going to get through these first mm. few weeks and now they're sitting here at 4-0 and, and fairly convincingly uh, through some of those wins I, I, I really like Manistee. I, I, I think what they're doing is... And Manistee's Manistee. Oh, that was a word one. They're ranked as well. Same thing with Frankfurt. Both of these teams are ranked. Which Taylor, is Taylor, uh, I think, last I saw. Yeah. Um, Manistee from last I saw. In Division 6, they're ranked number 3. And then Frankfurt Division 8, ranked number 10. So, All right, so you got to pick one to go 9-0 and in the regular season. Who are you taking? Let me. All right, I'll get us started. I'll, I'm, I will take Manistee. I think that they will, they're having, the Mariners are having a magical season. So With their new name too. Season for the Manistee Mariners. This is to go nine and zero. Yep. Okay. Interesting. Uh, I'm I'm throwing my money on Manistee. Okay. okay. They have this week for them is a really tough game. Yep. Whitehall is a juggernaut. Yep. Um. That's going to be a real tough matchup for them. If they get by that one, then yes, I think they that springboards them and they go undefeated. Um, I could see I could see Gaylor doing it too. Yeah. Um, this week against Cadillac is another that's a ch- that's big, a big test. test for them on the road against a, a very good team. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Frankfurt's one. I don't know. I'm going to say all three of these, I guess, because I think I'll <laughs> <laughs> if if they win this week, kind of thing, you know, type of thing. But well, Frankfurt, um, Frankfurt's schedule, I think they're probably going to go undefeated. They're going to have East Jordan, 
East Jordan's the the stumbling block, possibly. They in, just in got week, worked over eight. by what um, was that? Charlevoix, fifty to six. Yeah. Yeah, but they're a lot yeah. smaller school than Charlevoix. Right. Yeah. Frankfurt and East Jordan are about the same size. Yeah. And Charlevoix. So it's a little that. bit more of an even thing. Uh, you know, Harbor Springs, Tawas. Um, oh, Frankfurt does have Fowler, too, which is going to be a real tough okay. game. Wow. And that's yeah, a, Harbor Springs and Tawas, those are both wins. Yes. Yeah, and then Oscoda in the season is a win. Fowler and East Jordan are both going to be tough games. The Fowler one is they're playing um, at Ferris State. I think mm. it's a neutral, neutral site game at, at Ferris State. Um, I think it's Fair State. It's one of the colleges downstate, but, but but it's still a Friday night game. Oh, cool. It was a Saturday. I was like, man, we could go to that maybe. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, uh, mine. Um, so uh, I guess I'm having to pick teams. one of the three. I'd say Gaylord. All right. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to join the Manistee train. Um, just it, the, You just mentioned it. The momentum that they got from last season carrying over to this season. Passionate coach. I mean, why not? You know, if they win this week, yeah, they they their level of like greatness can just go up from here. So, all right, let's look at the uh, the three and one teams. So we mentioned Cadillac already. Yep. Charlevoix, East Jordan, Glen Lake, Kingsley, Lake City, McBain. Those are your eleven player, and then an eight man. You've got Gaylord, St. Mary, and Inland Lakes, which uh, lost a tough thirty to twenty eight game to St. Ignace uh, on on Friday. Who do you like from that crop of teams uh, to make some noise for the rest of the season? Uh, and, and who's who's a surprise three and one team that you're like, wow, I didn't I didn't expect that. East Jordan. That's mine. Were you expecting? You think I was expecting them to do good. The three and one, I did not expect that at all. But again, kind of like Manistee in a way. They were, they won their playoff. East Jordan won a pretty close knit playoff game, first playoff game since 19, I'm trying to think of that Prince song, P- Party Like It's 1999, there you go, that's their last playoff win um, for East Jordan, and yeah, they're just carrying over that momentum from that first district win, and just been rolling with it, yes, they did get boat raced by Charlevoix, but then again, history shows that Charlevoix has always had East Jordan's hand, so I don't know how much we can judge that, as far as a team who has dominated a certain team for an extent, long period of time. Um, but yeah, mine is East Jordan. Yeah, and, and, just like it, and same thing with Charlevoix is a way bigger school than East Jordan. There you go. Uh, same thing, you know, like, like with Frankfurt. I think the, uh, the, the biggest surprise out of those to me is Lake City being 3-1. and one. Um, I mean, we know Darren Kunkel's been putting up huge stats every week. Um, but uh, at, at quarterback, just rushing all over the place and, and sprinkling in a good number of passes too, but um, they've just kind of surprised me to be one of those teams that's it's three and one. They've been kind of one of those teams that's been around a 500-ish team for the last few years mm-hmm. and kind of hung around there. So they were on that precipice, but for them to, to start out three and one has been pretty impressive. I like Glenn Lake. Uh, first year uh, under new head coach uh, at three and one. McBain is a surprise to me. Uh, of these teams, I think the best – and James, I don't want to step on your foot, uh, considering that you're going to be covering this game on Friday. Oh, here but we go. I think the best three and one team is Kingsley. Yep, I think so too. I think so too. Yeah, with with Eli Graves, which we'll get to in, in a moment. Uh, the athlete of the week nominations, uh, Gavin Merchant, that Max Gothels, that team is Stacked. so good, and. 
Although they Tim do. Orr is he, he's got to be. Boiled. Is he one of the best football coaches in the state? Is he the best football coach in Northern Michigan? He's one of the most consistent winning coaches. I mean, Traverse I mean, City just, West just, has to be so bummed that he that he left. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. He, he just wins everywhere he goes. I mean, it's good for him. So, good yeah. For him. I mean, and their only loss is to a team that's ranked number eight in Division Three. Gaylord. Three divisions ahead of them. But but right now, they they made it. And that a was game. a close game. They made it a game. That was a close game. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's, I mean, go toe to toe with one of the top ranked teams in a three division class higher than them. That that should say a lot about the team itself. Yeah. Somebody took exception to my headline from the the Kingsley Gaylord game. But. That we use the word silences. And I'm oh, like, I'm like yeah. did you not get that it was about the Hush brothers? <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. It was, it was, the two players were named Hush. It was a pun, my friend. It was a pun, was a pun not man. like a rip. Come on, don't, don't. Come on. Come on, buddy. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, ugh. That was awesome. Oh, man. I love the headline, though. That was awesome. All right, uh, two and two teams. Traverse City, St. Francis, Benzie Central, Boyne City, Grayling. All of those are surprises to me that they're two and two. Hmm. Uh... Then Johannesburg, Lewiston, Mancelona. I'm surprised that they're two and two, but for the opposite reason of St. Francis, Benzie Central, Point City, and Grayling. I expected those for those four that I mentioned to be better, and Mancelona had has struggled mightily uh, for quite a while. But the Ryan Nomchev is a stat machine. Something else, uh, and then Petoskey is also two and two uh, in eleven man in eight player. You've got Brethren, Central Lake, Manistee Catholic Central. Misick and Sutton's Bay all at two and two. Um, so yeah, thoughts on on that crop of teams? It's no surprise. You know how they have the you guys know the bell curve, mm-hmm. oh, right? Yeah. If you look at this, <laughs> this is a bell curve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you've got three teams at four and zero, oh, three teams at zero oh and four. Yeah. I think probably not the same amount at, at one and three and three and one, but close. And then you have the most teams at, at two and two. So it is funny how science is a thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> even when it comes to sports. But, yeah, looking at our, our two and two teams, uh, what stands out to you? Yeah, I, I think Mancelini and, and Joburg being two and two is, is a bit of a surprise. You know, I, both of those teams are supposed to be rebuilding kind of this year. Um, and Sutton's Bay That's as a well. Surprise. After, after the season that they went through last week, or yeah, last year, yeah. uh, you know, I don't think that there was a whole lot of people that had big expectations on them, and for them to be two and two has been great. Um, who's the the best team out of here? Um, I think some people are surprised that St. Francis is two and two because mm. they were supposed to be such a, a rebuilding team. Um, but I, I think the I think maybe the the, the potentially best team is Benzie Central. Um, it would be interesting if they make the playoffs and have to play each other then. Ooh. Because they would probably be in the same district. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, but uh, you know, they they have a lot of a lot of potential. I think that that Benzie Central team does. You know, they've got a good athletic quarterback in Dan Wallington, and Jackson Childers can Oof. score a touchdown on any play Everywhere. on offense or defense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, so they they've got big play potential there. Their wide receivers are pretty solid. Their quarterback is pretty solid. Their defense is pretty solid. So if they just put it together and just just win some games here. They'll make the playoffs, and who knows? Maybe face San Francis. Mm-hmm. What about Grayland? Because I know you were high on Grayland for a, I, a, I a, am. a long time. I, I thought again this uh, that was that was the horse that I was putting money on. 
Yeah, I'm I like, mean, Grayling, last week. This was, this it's was last... My, I was like, I, I have a lot of faith in, in Grayling. One, because uh, head coach Eric Tunney is he's a, good head coach. He's a great head football coach. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I, ex- I expected, I thought that they would beat St. Francis on they Friday. They, they sh- I would say they should have, but penalties cost them. They should have, but penalties cost them. Grayling was lined up to win. They were priming him. They were like, "We're gonna beat you guys." And then the last, was the last second field goal that St. Francis put up that caught like got him a win. Right? They, uh, they, no, well they scored a touchdown and then that's right. Had the fumble recovery and then fumble. That's for, right. Uh, yeah, okay. they didn't get the conversion, so that's why it was a six point. Oh yeah, and then they saved their timeout, and then they didn't use it until the end. That was my one thing that I was because. I walked up to you. You asked about the game. I was like, "Yeah, I have one thing about this game." There's, cert- I get some coaches like to play conservative in certain moments, but if you're playing against St. Francis, who you've seen already, as far as like the game continue, you have their upper hand. Like you can close this out, but they just decided to not use that timeout, which that was, that was my only concern. All right, so good two and two teams, a good crop there. Uh, one and three. Our team sitting at one and three right now. Traverse City Central, Traverse City West, Elk Rapids, and Kalkaska in eleven player. And then at the, on the eight man side, Bel Air and Onekama. Which one of these teams can turn it around? And who's kind of dead in the water? I think TC Central can still turn it around. Okay. Just because um, I've mentioned in my story, obviously that if You've read it. Eric Sugars, the TC Central head coach, got hired back in 2015. I know he was on the staff for a long time, but he was made head coach in 2015. Never had a losing season. Never missed the playoffs. So if you are banking off the experience that he's never had a losing season, then I I put my money on that. Um, the only time I know, it was way before Eric Sugars' time, where Central had... Back-to-back losing seasons was almost 10-plus years ago. So, if you're making off history and just numbers, I'm saying TC Central. Can we talk about the quarterback situation at Traverse City Central? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I think this needs to be yeah. discussed because they are... Eric Sugars right now is using a, a two-man situation west at, does at, this too though at, at, at quarterback uh brayden mccoon and drew zermick yep uh, and i noticed that the and i was only there for the first half but i've, I've noticed in, in what i've watched that the trojans are a little more dynamic with mccoon under center yep and i'm i again i'm not I'm not a football coach, and Eric Sugars uh, led his team to a state championship game uh, just yeah. a couple of years ago. <laughs> there you go. So I'm not I'm not saying I know better uh, than him or anything like that, but it, but it, but it seems but. like uh, McCoon would, it, or the Trojans would do well to have him under center. The only thing I will say is that he was getting beaten up. Bullied. And I think that is one of the reasons why Zermick gets some snaps. But, Bullied. yeah, McCoon, he... He puts his body on the line every time he gets the ball. There's moments where I thought that he was not. Cause I think it was like towards the end of the third quarter, fourth quarter. He was just taking body shots after body shots. And I, there was a moment where I thought he was not going to return. 
but he returned. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is unreal. And you even, I mean, they were already losing by like plus 20 points, and he still is putting his body on the line. And I'm like, whoa, man, that's that's good for you, I guess. But yeah, they, but Central's not the only one that does that. TC West does it, and they've been doing they. I don't I don't know if they did it last much last season, but this season, from what I've been able to see, they flipped off. Between oh man, what's his name? Hendricks and Isaac Kelsey. Oh, Isaac Kelsey. Yeah, Owen Hills. Yes. Owen so they yeah. they've flipped. They've gone back and forth. And strategic or not, if it works, good for you. If it doesn't, well, it's not right now though. It's That's not. Like it's not. And it both teams. No. And so I I saw a little more pop. At least from what I was able to see, TC West. I think it was week two or week three. Owen Hendricks came in, in the second half. the The offense was moving. Like it's. I don't know what it is. Like, the offense moves when Owen's in there. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just went a little in right mm-hmm. there. That's, I've, I've held that in for a while. So, not, that's one of those things that needed to be expressed. James, what about yeah. you? Who do you think can turn it around at 1-3? and three? Unless you have some be- thoughts be- on the quarterback be- situation. <laughs> between Cent- I, you know, I haven't I, – I've only seen, like, basically a half of Central right. play. Yeah. And I haven't seen West at all. Yeah. Um, Zerima looks like he does have an arm. He does. He's just not as much of a running threat as McCoon is. McCoon, yeah. McCoon is a much better runner with the ball. Um, and like you said, he plays with reckless abandon. Oh, yeah, he does. He does. Like, um, but, uh, yeah, of the one in three teams who can turn it around, um, I, I uh, between Central and West, I would say Central. Just yeah. because the schedule, the way it comes out, they have the two Midland schools and the two Bay City schools left. You know, the Midland schools are pretty good. They're three and one. Yeah, they But are. they're not. Like world beaters. There you go. They're, they're teams that can be beat, and and the Bay City schools, West already beat one of them. Yeah. Um. So I think those are two teams. So I, and then you, and then it comes down to the Patriot game, right at the end for Central. So th- the schedule I think favors Central in being able to turn it around. West's West schedule is loaded down the. Yeah. I mean, man. Yeah. I mean they've got the two Midland schools too, but then they've got Mount Pleasant. Oh my. Who we just, just saw what who Mount Pleasant did. They did to Central, yeah. and then they've got the other Bay City school, and then the Patriot game. So yeah. with Mount Pleasant being still on their schedule, that that by tips way, it to, to TC Central in my by opinion. By the way, Central Michigan is in good hands. Yeah. That's who the quarterback was. Uh, yeah, uh, Mount that, Pleasant's quarterback. That kid at Mount he Pleasant is, is yeah, I, very yeah, good. I can't remember his. I, I don't know Bro- how. Barodichuk. Barodichuk. Yeah, yeah. he's like, very Bro- good. Brody. 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 Brodychuk. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, Brody. You're in good hands. All right, uh, looking at our 0-4 teams, who gets their first win, Bear Lake, Harbor Springs, or Manton? Give me Bear Lake, please. Hmm? Give me Bear Lake, all of it. We'd, I, I mean, we would certainly like for yes. Samantha Mullet to, to get a, yes. a win. Uh, that, would be, that would be nice. Certainly don't want an 0-9 season there. No. Um, Harbor Springs sitting at 0-4, and then... Manton, Manton. Uh, I, I talk with head coach Eric Solani. I've uh, the fir- three out of the first four weeks, and uh, if they can stop turning the ball over, I think that they, they win can games. win. And that's that's what he says. He's like yeah. penalties and turnovers. I'm like, well, yeah, yeah. You told that's me what that. costs you games. Mm-hmm. Tell me yeah. that I'm not. And it's not like they've been getting, they haven't been getting boat raced in games. No. Right. I mean, they've they've lost by a couple of scores, but they're not getting just shellacked. Yeah, uh, I think it's Manton that of these of these three that gets a win first. So do I. Yeah, they got Pine River coming up in two weeks. Oh, um, Pine River is not good this season. I think they're 
0 and 4 or 1 and 3. I think maybe 0 and 4. So I, I think that's when they can get it. Then they've got Roscom and Beale City. And they end the season with Johannesburg Lewiston. Um, so uh, I, I think of those three, just because of the schedule, it's Manton. Okay. Just uh, they're 0 and 4, Pine River. 0 and 4. So, you know, just throwing it out there. And Pine River is normally a pretty solid team, but for some reason they're down this year. Mm. All right, uh, with that, uh, we'll wrap up the Pulse uh, with this question. What are you looking forward to this week? doesn't have to be on the gridiron, uh, but are, are there any games or training camps that you are uh, excited about coming up this week? There's, Like I said, there is a lot, a lot going on. Some volleyball games. You got Cadillac, you got Cadillac traveling to Petowski. Volleyball, that should be a good one. Leland but, visiting Traverse City St. Francis on Leland Thursday. Leland St. Francis, I think, is maybe that's a, the That's a one. I mean, yeah. Central West ob- is obvious. It's that, always, that's always. Obvious call, but uh, that Leland St. Francis game should be should be one. something. Should yeah. be a good one. Yeah, if we had a f- full staff on that day, but that's what happens when you've got when you've got to work uh, both days of on, the, on uh, the weekend. Yeah, so. I will say the one thing I am very excited about, and the fact that you, you blessed me, I like, I like saying that. You blessed me with this game, uh, Gaylord Cadillac football. I am, yeah, I, I knew that was. The I one am that, so excited. I, I, I knew that, that was one. the one you had your eye on. So I'm like, oh, I am so excited. Yeah, we'll D- Division three, number ten, Gaylord traveling, trying to beat Cadillac at least once. After, it's been a while for them, and Cadillac, an honorable mention. I'm I'm assuming they'll get some votes, and they'll get some more votes that will bump them in the rankings. But yeah, that. That would be a great one. I'm excited for that one. All right. Well, we've got all those things and a lot more, plus Red Wings training camp starts on Thursday. And speaking of that, why don't we get into our interview right now. Jordan and James sat down with Detroit Red Wings blogger for the Malik Report, George Malik, for a in-depth conversation about Detroit Red Wings hockey. Around is happy to bring in George Malik from the Malik Report, uh, Red Wings beat writer extraordinaire. Uh, been here for a week for the Prospects Tournament already, and going to stay for the rest of the week for the Detroit Red Wings full camp. Um, people can find his stuff at, at themalikreport.com. It's M-A-L-I-K. Um, he goes really, really in depth into minor league players, how the guys that the Red Wings have that aren't on the team yet, that are playing overseas, how they, all that kind of stuff. Just just all kinds of coverage on the Red Wings. Um, in addition to the, like, the normal stuff on the actual Red Wings themselves that you see from like the Detroit papers and stuff. So uh, thanks for coming in here on your kind of your, one of your days off in between camps. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yes. Yeah. Um, Red Wings had a lot of turnover in this off season. Uh, like 10 or so new players uh, on this year's team, what what looks to be probably the opening day lineup. Like 10 out of 23 guys will be brand new that Red Wings fans haven't seen in a Red Wings uniform before. Has this been like the most upheaval that you've seen in your years of covering the Red Wings? Since last summer, at least. You know, because <laughs> there was last, a lot last, last summer, summer too. was a lot last, there was the, you know, there were like eight or nine guys last summer, but this is definitely the most. And um, I heard somebody say that um, Steve Eiserman, to some extent, um, 
he tries to be patient with the players. He tries to be patient with the prospects. But come free agency day, he gets competitive. And he, to some extent, he can't stop himself, you know, from, from really <laughs> digging into the free agent pool. And mm-hmm. for the last two years, obviously, it's been building about building depth, building a, a, a core of players that you can uh, build upon, you know, because other than, than trading for Debrinket, I don't think that the Red Wings brought in any stars by any stretch of the imagination. But, um, you know, he's trying to build a foundation for the team to succeed in, in the future. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, although people have been panning the Iser plan lately, you know, it, it's it's hard to say it's failed when, when he's in the middle of rebuilding a team, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's also hard for a team to to trot out like a fourth line of kids who should be playing in the AHL you know a lot of teams I think hockey is a little bit different than other sports where they can't just necessarily learn on the NHL level yeah they got to have some experience so it's mm-hmm. not like you can't take this guy that you just drafted most of the time no. and say hey we're just going to throw you right into the NHL no it can you know as, as Ken, the former general manager Ken Holland used to say rushing players to the NHL can really screw them up um, mm-hmm. you know it can really um, just decimate their confidence, and um, you look at somebody like Philip Sedina, who got, you know, left, decided to have his contract severed by the team and mutually agreed to go to a different team um, because he felt that, uh, you know, leaving almost five million dollars on the table was was worth it in terms of getting a new start. You know, he he was starting to play when he was 18 years old, and they did rush him a little bit and mm-hmm. he never found his confidence so it really mm-hmm. can be uh, a tricky developmental path by pushing guys up to the league right away yeah not everybody's dylan larkin no. <laughs> no. No those guys are pretty rare oh, yeah. and and few and far between and, and i think sometimes people get a little uh, impatient and think that everybody should be that way and be able to play right away when you draft them but hockey's hockey's just kind of a different animal that I, way i completely understand you know people want i mean the red wings have, haven't made the playoffs in seven years you yep. know people are are impatient and they should be mm-hmm. but uh and they're critical and they should be there's there's nothing wrong with that yeah red wings mm-hmm. ticket is expensive and parking at the arena is almost more expensive these days uh, if you've mm-hmm. ever been downtown and oh yeah paying 40 or 50 dollars to park near little caesar's arena oh you know, yeah it's it's a lot so yeah but but the, the the team is in the middle middle of the rebuilding process. It's not at the end yet. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you think it's going as far as like the rebuilding process? Because you said you're you're impatient. It's been seven years since you guys made playoffs. How in your eyes how how do you think the rebuilding process is going? I think it's going pretty well. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say that I every everything Eiserman has done is has turned to gold. Yeah. I think that there have been some big mistakes. Um, and that's going to happen when you when you're trying to sort of rebuild from scratch and not only rebuild from scratch i feel that he had to tear down some of what ken holland left him um because the, the team just didn't need the justin ablicators of the world and the darren mm-hmm. helms and the guys who are just kind of sort of past their prime and um struggling mm-hmm. to to keep up at the nhl level uh valtteri Filippola, for example there are a bunch of guys Mm-hmm. who have played for the Red Wings in the Ken Holland era, who are over in Europe now or are done playing. Um, and, and you know, first Steve had to tear it down to the foundations, and then he had to start building from there. 
and um, mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned, he's doing about the best that he can, especially given that the free agent market over the last two seasons has not been particularly deep in terms of star players and impact players. And mm -hmm. in terms of the fact that free agents don't necessarily want to come to a rebuilding team right now, you know. I mean, yeah. there, there, there's a very popular theory right now that because the salary cap is really going to uh, skyrocket in a couple of years, that Eiserman is just sort of buying time until the cap really goes up and he can really make some free agent buys. And, I mean, it, it's a that's reasonable more waiting. theory. That, that's it more waiting. Yeah, but, but I think that's Kind of wishful was, thinking. Yeah, I think, yeah that, I think that definitely it's wishful thinking. Um I think that's why he was so aggressive this summer in, in, in bringing a sort of second tier of depth players, players that can contribute a little more, mm -hmm. as opposed to just sort of foundational players that are uh, your four, five, six defensemen, your third and fourth line. You know, even though somebody like JT Koffer, you know, um, is not going to be uh, a first line player, he's going to be kind of a, a number two, number three center. Um, you know, you look at you look at a lot of the guys that they brought in. You know, Daniel Sprong, Clem Claston, You know, Christian Fisher. Um, you know, Jeff Petrie, especially. Um, they're not going to be top line guys, but they're going to be the middle of the lineup. And and you need to have not only the bottom of the lineup, but you need to have a strong middle to succeed. You need to have players who are willing to. Um, play in in those secondary roles to succeed mm -hmm. yeah i think it's better to have an established nhl veteran filling those roles on like the third and fourth lines or the third defense pairing than like you, like you said rushing a young kid that should be playing still in the nhl for another year or so or or overseas or whatever and then right. having them come up and put him in a bad situation yeah i i agree completely it's it's I mean, it's different than it used to be. It isn't where it isn't a situation where you keep the guys in the grif on the Griffins until they're 24 or 25 years old, and you just slide them right into the lineup as a veteran player. Mm -hmm. The developmental timeline has has diminished to the point where guys are more ready at 21, 22, 23. You know, but but they still need those couple years in Grand Rapids to get used to the grind and get used to playing against men who are. Um, putting meals on the table uh, by playing professional hockey. You know, the jump from junior, I've talked to a couple of developmental guys and they say the jump from major junior and, and college to the AHL is, is perhaps a, uh, more difficult than the jump to the NHL because you're playing against your peers, you're playing against 18 to 20 year olds, you're playing against guys who are up to 22 year olds and you know, and, and 24 year olds in college, yeah. But when you're playing against a 30-year-old whose whose job it is to knock your head into the boards because that's what put puts food on the table, that's a different world. Mm -hmm. And and you're stuck on the bus, you know, uh, driving to Iowa and back. Uh, that's <laughs> that's a different animal. <clears throat> yeah, it is. Um, uh, the, the Red Wings, uh, their their the scores at least didn't look. Great. I mean, they went 0-3, like you said, for the first time at the Prospects Tournament. Yep. Um, do they really care that much about <laughs> what their record is at the Prospects Tournament? I mean, it's mostly developing, or I mean, developing the, players, the, right? There's a pride factor there. There's always a pride factor there when you're hosting a Prospect Tournament against mm -hmm. 
Toronto, Columbus, and and Dallas, and you 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 get blown out a couple of times, you know, sure that that stings, and mm-hmm. and the players, the players who participated in the prospect tournament, especially the guys who were a little older, really, you know, they they said this that 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 it stank, and the 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 coaching staff said we're not just going to throw away the tape, we're going to utilize it, we're gonna you know, show these guys the things they did well, the things that they didn't do so well, and then we're going to move forward to training camp. Mm-hmm. But yes, it's runway. What you don't lose a win or lose a job at the prospects tournament. You try and build some momentum going into training camp, the main camp, because you're playing against players mm-hmm. who are at the at the old uh, eldest. You know, Riley Sawchuk was was 24 24 uh, one of the old guys at the prospects the oldest player participating mostly it's 18 to to 22 23 year old guys Mm -hmm. and it's at a you know you know people talk about it about what what the level is it's it's about at ahl level of play it's it's pretty strong and Mm -hmm. you get these kids right out of a major junior and and right out of college and and especially with the physicality, and you'll have to pardon my uh, my French here with the ECHL refs who are very permissive of the physical stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's rough and tumble at times, and there's not enough time. There's and especially for the European guys as well. You you don't have as much time and space. There's the rink is 15 feet narrower in, in the NHL rink as opposed to the European 400 foot wide rink. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, and the pace of play is is so much different. Um, you know, when you, you when you looked at players like um, Marco Casper and William Willender, um, sometimes struggling. These are some of the best prospects on the roster, but they're used to that sort of loop back possession, almost soccer like um, style that they play in Europe, and they had to really adjust very quickly to the fact that the NHL mm-hmm. level and the AHL level is so much faster and so much and so much simpler and even the major junior guys you know they're trying to make these deeks and dangles and and diagonal yeah. passes and all of that and you just got to be north south you got to be direct and i think that to some extent you know, if we're going to talk about the record, we're going to say um, the chemistry wasn't necessarily there in terms of the um, the tryouts and the prospects. Mm-hmm. And I think that you know, as I said to you, the coaching staff was all new. Yeah, you know, Dan Watson there. from Toledo Walleye, yeah. um, assistant coach Brian Lashoff, the former Grand Rapids Griffin. Yeah, so people I'm, would remember from prospects tournaments in the past. Right. I mean, he played here right. uh, three, four Forever. years. Yeah, yeah. and um, Stefan Julian from from the Quebec League and and the Rope Koistinen, the goaltending coach from Finland. You know that this was all their first dry run together, and I think that um, between the fact that it was the coaching staff's first time working together and that it was the player the players, there were so many free agent invites. And, you know, as, uh, again, as we talked about, there were so many players that, from the draft who didn't come because they play in college or they play in, play in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a very top-heavy roster, and after the top-heavy, it, it was a lot of free agents. I think there were something mm-hmm. like 
10 out of the 23, which is which is pretty big. Yeah, normally there's only a handful of the tryout guys. You know, 6 oh to my. 8 at, at best. At most, yeah. And, you know, some of those on a lot of years would be like Chris Chelios's kids or Nick Lidstrom's kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and this year it was it was a little thin. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was a lot. Yeah, only three out of the ten draft picks from this year playing in the, in the prospects tournament. Um, and like you said, the, wow, that's because those guys have commitments to play yeah. elsewhere. Um, so it's not like they're not playing. They're just playing yeah, not playing in Traverse City. Else. Yeah, the NCAA <laughs> kids, they lose their eligibility if they come to Traverse City. Wait, so if they're drafted and they're still in college, you can't go straight to – you can't do – Kind of like double dip because I mean, no, you know, you, I know like baseball is that way where yeah. it's like if you're gonna sign, you're gonna go play baseball, you're not gonna come back and pitch for LSU, which is exactly what um, the pitcher from the Pittsburgh Pirates did because he was drafted number one after his college World yeah. Series time. He went, he didn't come back to college. So hockey's different. Yeah, it's a little it's different. A little it's, different. They, yeah. they get uh, they're allowed to take part in the summer development camp at Little Caesars Arena. Um, they I think they get five to seven days where they're allowed to um, work with the NHL coaches in the summer, and that's right. it. You know, oh. and in the fall, it, it's a one-way street. Um, mm-hmm. You either go to college, and you're in college in September, and you're getting ready for the season, which begins in October, or you're done with college. Um, yeah. That's the decision that you have to make. Yeah, it's not like baseball where they they draft you, and then you – they have to sign you within a year. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah they get to an entry get, level contract. They, they get, get your rights in the NHL for like three years or something. For, for, uh, until the August fifteenth <laughs> after your graduation. Oh wow! Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I do have a question though. If sure. based off who you saw at the prospects tournament, I know not everyone was there. Who, who caught your eye as far as yeah, this player uh, has has the potential. Uh, there were a couple of guys. Um, I, I mentioned uh, William Wallender. Uh, who came over from Rogla of the, the Swedish League. Um, he was a really solid defenseman. Um, he, he's been talked up as sort of the next Moritz Sider, and I wouldn't put him in that category. I wouldn't put him in that category, but I would say that he's a very strong two-way defenseman. Even though Antituomisto's play kind of plateaued and went down over the course of the three games, this guy's 6'5", 205, and he's a right shot on a... On a defense that's full of left full shots. Full of lefties, yeah. You know, um, you, you look at Elmer Soderblom, who's 22 and was in his third prospects tournament. He dominated, and he should have dominated. Um, third he's 6'8", yeah. and he's 245, and yeah. he, he, he can dangle and deke like a player who's 5'10". That's and move out of the way. Mm-hmm. He yeah. just needs to, he, he needs to kind of, you know, get out of his own way to some extent and be a little simpler. Um, I thought that uh, Marco Casper, his pedigree is very good, despite the fact that he struggled a little bit. He he was trying to force things, and um, mm-hmm. you can't necessarily do that on North American ice. Even though he's played in an NHL game, he played in that game against Toronto, broke his kneecap, and tried to go th- play through it. Um, you know, and obviously he's healthy now. Um, you know, and and even though he was in one game, I thought Carter Mazur, the kid from Denver, who is also from Jackson, Michigan, um, he he looked like a plucky little uh, blankety blank uh, out there. <laughs> and 
He was fun to watch. I love that. He was a nasty little guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I say little at 6-0, six, 6 no, nothing and 175. But but he's plucky, and he likes to go in those dead zones to, to try and score garbage goals. Mm-hmm. So that was enjoyable. Yeah. Um, so what... How does the Red Wings roster change with Alex Dabrinkit hmm. joining the team? What does he add? Is he going to play? Do you think he's going to play with Larkin? Is he going to play in a different line to spread th- the scoring out? I think that that it, at the start, at least, he's definitely going to play with Larkin. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the plan. That he's going to be the top line left wing, and that um, you know whether it's going to be Lucas Raymond or or it's going to be David Perron on the right wing is the big question going into training camp and the exhibition season. Um, but yeah, yeah, Debrinket is going to get his first line minutes, I mm-hmm. think for sure. Yeah. Uh, um, I guess just one thing. Let's just uh, briefly hit on all the guys that they brought in in the off season. Okay. And just just to let people know uh, when they're going to training camp this week, what to expect, what what kind of players these are. Um, so after Debrinket, you've got uh, uh, Shane. Gostisbeer. 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 Yes, go, it's spelled go, Gostis be here. Yeah. What a name. He's a power play guy. He he um, started out with Philly. Um, had a bit of a shaky uh, couple of seasons working with Phoenix, but he sort of really really rediscovered himself uh, with mm-hmm. the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, he's not small. He is, uh, he's older, he's 31, um, mm-hmm. but he's a defenseman that can be counted to provide offense on the power play, and the Red Wings need that pretty badly. That's what I've heard, yeah, is that he's he's pretty middling, I guess, yeah, five overall, on five, but, but, but on the power, on the power play, play, he's really he's good. Got a big, he's got a hammer of a shot. Yeah, so. okay. And then you got uh, Justin Hall added to the, to the defense, too. Hall got a lot of flack in Toronto. Because uh, there were some that, turnovers and stuff. That's what I've read. But, but the Toronto media is like vicious, very yeah. vicious. vicious. Yeah, for it's for, for it's NHL. Been a while for them. Yeah. It's been a while. And um, oh. and Hall's analytics were pretty good. You know, you're not looking at somebody who is going to be a point per game player by any stretch of the imagination. But you're looking at somebody who's something like six three. Uh, 200 pounds, uh, going to play on the right side, right shooter, uh, be physical, take care of business, mm-hmm. you know, not spectacular, but but somebody who's going to be competent, and the Red Wings need competent defensive players yeah. in secondary and, yeah. and tertiary roles. Yeah, we saw that last year where the Red Wings goalies were just getting pelted, pelted game after yeah. game. Uh, and then, well, the other addition that they traded for on the defense is Jeff Petrie. Mm-hmm. He's yeah, another Petrie veteran. Petrie is, is 35. So yeah. Oh, man. To some extent, yeah, ancient by hockey standards these days. <laughs> and, and, you know, mm-hmm. being 45 years old, I just sort of shake my head at that one. But um, He's from uh, Michigan, he's though, from right? A- he's from Ann Arbor. Yeah. He's, he's Dan Petrie of the, the, the Tigers. Oh. He's, he's Dan Petrie's son. He's going to wear number 46. Beautiful. Um, He's a power play specialist, and I still think that that there might be, t- you know, thirty points out of the guy. You know, not the forty or fifty points that he used to put up, but I think mm-hmm. that he can contribute on the power play in a meaningful manner. And and I think that he has that sort of veteran presence yeah. that that they need. And again, he's another right shot. So yeah. the Wings needed that after trading Philip Ronick to uh, Vancouver. 
Yeah. So. Well, that's that's two things they needed on defense was yeah. was right-handed shots and guys who could play on the power play. Yeah, and, yeah. and they've got that in, in Petrie. Yeah, uh, and then uh, as far as centers, they pretty much only added J.T. Comfer, who's Comfer he had a pretty good season last year, but he was playing next season, to us. He, he was playing with Ranton and yeah. you know Miko Ranton and on Colorado. Yeah, um, he was playing well, with a point machine, so he became yeah. a point machine. So that, that he's not going to re- replicate his numbers, but. You're looking at somebody who's 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 big and strong and and a, a two-way player. Uh, he's born in Chicago, but he played for the University of Michigan. So he mm-hmm. said that he talked to Andrew Kopp and Dylan Larkin about coming here. Uh, he enthusiastic, somebody who can play. You know, if they don't see Andrew Kopp as a second-line center, then 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 Kopfer will fill in, uh, and he can also play on the left wing. Uh, and again, a right shot and on a team of left shots who can win faceoffs, mm-hmm. you know, and they need that variety there. Mm-hmm. Somebody responsible, uh, you know, like I said, another guy in a secondary role who embraces that. Yeah. The other, I guess the other center that they added in a trade um, was Klim Kostin. I'm not really pronouncing yeah, that one right. You got but, it. But uh, he's a kind of a younger guy he's who they think is a, potential. More of a depth player. Mm-hmm. The thing about Costin is that he is uh, big and mean. Um, for a ru- you wouldn't expect mm-hmm. a Russian guy to be a grinder with an edge to him, but that's what he is. He looks like it in his mugshot. Yeah, <laughs> and, and then some. <laughs> uh, you know, so is he going to be like that fourth line center then? He he potentially might be a fourth line center. He might be a fourth line winger. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at Costin, I'm, I'm pulling up the stats right now. Six four two twelve. You know, mm-hmm. uh, somebody who embraces his his role as as a as somebody who's knocking people around and and turning over pucks in the offensive zone. Mm-hmm. Um, he can generate some offense, but I think the Wings they needed a physical presence too, and and they added mm-hmm. that in in Costin. Yeah, and Eisenman must have really wanted him too because yeah, he took he, on he, he took on a contract he, that he had to Yamamoto, buy out. Moto he bought out from yeah. Edmonton, and then. Ended up not re-signing Costin until the free agent period began, but but he got a fairly healthy contract and mm-hmm. things went well there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm trying to think. Uh, you've got we well, got Christian Fisher and Daniel Sprong. Sprong is he going to play this season? Is he? Yeah, how much how I, much legal trouble is he in? Oh. You know that's that's a question because he got the, an Instagram post by an IndyCar driver that was. Claimed that he had been assaulted by cost by yeah. by the by by Sprong, pardon me, and nothing has come of that in terms of actual legal filings, you know. So who, who knows? You know, you don't want that 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 kind of uh, situation to be lingering mm-hmm. in your locker room. But you know, I've I've got to I've got to be honest with it. when I when I see somebody do that on Instagram, first thing I think is go to the police, man. Mm-hmm. Go to the police and press charges. Yeah, don't and they haven't, so somebody, maybe. Don't yeah. just tell me that you somebody popped out a tooth and and that that he was rough at you at a, with you at a nightclub and uh, all this other <laughs> baloney. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think that Sprong um, is an intriguing player. Assuming that everything is okay, uh, mm-hmm. he really blossomed with the Seattle Kraken last year as a goal scorer and. Um, you know, he's he's a little older. He's he's in his mid twenties, mm-hmm. but uh, you know he's twenty six, six foot one ninety four. Another one of those right shots. He he put up 
uh, 21 goals in 66 games last season with Seattle after not really finding his form for a long time. And they signed him to a cut-rate deal. So um, he's somebody who might be able to um, develop some offense and, and be, be a good secondary scorer mm-hmm. uh, and a bit of a plucky guy as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then they have the two goalies, the two veteran goalies that they brought in after uh, Alex Nedeljkovic left in free agency. Yeah, I should mention for that that you you talked about Christian Fisher. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. The other right physical wing. guy. Yeah. Uh, brought in from Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody who wants to, you know, sort of set the tone. You know, gives mm-hmm. with with Michael Rasmussen, um, Rasmussen, with uh, Costin and 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 Fisher. The wings have. A little more grit and a little more edge now so if somebody gets hurt they don't have you know they have they have some redundancy and then as far as the goaltenders mm-hmm. are concerned Reimer had a rough season with San Jose and there's there's no getting around that but San Jose had a rough season with San Jose yep. and <laughs> true. Reimer's a bit older yeah. um, and he he does have some established success in the league if he does falter um, you've, you're looking at Alex Lyon, who uh, helped propel the the Florida Panthers to a playoff spot when they mm-hmm. when they lost um, Spencer Knight to OCD. The poor guy just got just finally revealed that why he went into the player assistance program. The Spencer Knight guy, mm-hmm. he had some bad OCD. Um, so thank goodness he's better. But Lyon. Um, sort of stole the crease from Sergei Bobrovsky for a while there, and we all saw how great Sergei Bobrovsky was on the Panthers' road to the Stanley Cup final. Yep. Mm-hmm. So yep. if you can steal the crease from uh, Bob, you're you're not that bad. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, he had a nice run at the end of the season and yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah, for them, and, but um, he's never played a ton. No, right? he's never played a ton at the NHL level. Yeah, um, he's been a good AHL guy. And uh, obviously, we're going to get into Sebastian Casa Cosa a little bit. And, <laughs> yeah, and he like he would be somebody who who will stabilize the net in Grand Rapids most likely, uh, and the number one guy to be called up. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Well, we might as well just talk about Casa right now. Yeah, yeah. if you want to talk it, about it, he he was just absolutely horrific uh, during the prospect tournament. Uh, mm-hmm. I've got the stats up. He played. Uh, one full game and two half games, 84-53 played, uh, <clears throat> credited with one loss, uh, 41 saves on 54 shots. That's a .759 save percentage with a 9.19 goals against average. Those aren't good statistics. They're no, they're those not. are bad. Those are very those bad. Are, are it's a drop-off from last year. Yeah. Well, yeah but he wasn't, massive he wasn't good last year. Last year he was, I mean, I was... Kind of waving about yeah. him, like, oh, we might see him in the NHL in a few years. But during the regular yeah. season size, last year, he was really wingspan. good. During the regular season in the ECHL, playing for Dan Watson in Toledo, you know, oh. he, he um, you're looking at somebody who was 26-16-1 with a 2.56 goals against average, a .913 save percentage. That's Those solid. Those are all solid numbers. Playoffs. Yeah. Five and two in seven games, two point thirty two goals against average and a point nine one seven save percentage, pretty darn good. And again, he's playing against men in the ECHL. It's not the AHL level, right. but it's professional it's close. hockey. Yeah. And he's six six, two oh nine. And the other thing is that he's only twenty going on twenty one years of age yeah, in, years. in mm-hmm. November. Yeah, 
Yeah, Tom. So the yeah. concept that, that the people are, are saying his NHL career is dead, um, that that he's he's a, a former prospect, you know, I, can, I yeah. can understand the frustration because the Minnesota Wild drafted Jesper Wallstedt uh, a couple of spaces behind, and Wallstedt came from the Swedish Hockey League and has been in the AHL as an all-star already. You know, Kosa is, mm-hmm. is a couple steps behind, and he's obviously a project player. He's somebody who's fantastic down low and up high and stick side. There are still some issues. Yeah. But the Red Wings, they hired their new goaltending coach in Koisten and for Grand Rapids. Um, the, the players, the, the prospects, absolutely rave about Phil Osayer, the developmental coach. Mm-hmm. And uh, Alex Westland came in as the goaltending coach last season, and all three of those coaches are going to be on the ice with the goaltenders in Traverse, you know, here in Traverse City in a couple days. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so as long as he he's a sponge, and he soaks things up, and as long as he can, keeps working with the coaching staff, and I would imagine that he probably has a performance coach, i.e., a mental coach of some sort. You know, getting re- resetting that mindset, um, mm-hmm. focusing on his concentration, his consistency, his technique. He's a project, but he's still yeah. a prospect, and he's he can still have mm-hmm. a bright future. I think a lot of fans see that they drafted another goalie this year in the second round, and yeah, think that Trey that means Augustine. that they're giving up on Casa. Yeah. Right, Trey Augustine from from where I live in South Lyon, Michigan. Uh, he's going to play for State this year. Uh, he was fantastic with the U.S. National Team Development Program in Plymouth, mm-hmm. but um, only 18. Really nice kid. I, I, I spoke with him a lot at the World Junior Summer Showcase. Yeah, he's, uh, he's nowhere close. No. Age-wise. He's 18. You know, he's played. 18. Yeah. He's 6'1", so by today's standards, he's not a big goalie, but he, he gets the job done. Uh, I, was, I was impressed with his play, uh, but at the same time, he's at He's at the other end of the development. We know he he's at the start of his developmental spectrum. Kosa mm-hmm. is sort of in the middle, mm-hmm. you know, and um, I just think that it's unfair to completely write somebody off. I mean, there people have valid concerns about Kosa. I get it. Uh, I yeah. I played goal for a while. You know, I I understand being being the beer the beer league goalie that 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 gives up. Uh, <laughs> six goals a game uh you know the the guy guy that's that's not fantastic but uh i loved the game and uh i loved playing goal and i I look at somebody like kosa and i just i don't want to give up on him just yet i want to say that yes there is absolutely urgency for him to uh, get his uh s word together uh, mentally, physically, emotionally, however mm-hmm. he has to do it, but um, he's uh, he's not dead yet. You yeah. Know. Uh, speaking of which, uh, <laughs> awkward transition, but hey, nice, uh, oh, beautiful. When when Mike Babcock was the coach of the Red Wings, he did not like analytics. No, oh, or he said he didn't like analytics. He said he did. Whenever, whenever he got brought up in prospects camp or, or or training camp or anything like that, he would just bristle at the question. I, I once being asked asked about. I remember you asking him one time about big, analytics and him just he done, just, just getting mad. Yeah, it was yeah. like done, Malik, done. Yeah, you no more questions from you or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. What, I can't remember what it was. It he was, was just done. Period. He, he was just <laughs> not happy about it, and 
you know, but obviously it seems like Eiserman is more so in tune with that, like the signings of guys like Hall. He, yeah. he ignores what the media says and looks at the analytics that say yeah, that he's a pretty I, solid defenseman. I, I think that, that that's an important, there are um, two important points that you made, you made there. Number one, Eiserman doesn't care what the media says. Sounds like it. John Scott recently went on a podcast and said that the Iser plan is dead and blah, blah, blah. Now, I respect the hell out of John Scott, but... Friend of the yeah. show. He used to. He was on here once. Yeah, yeah. I, I respect the hell out of him, and he's a he's a big physical guy, and I don't want to get beat up by him <laughs> um, because he was a fantastic enforcer. But I, I disagree. I think the Iser plan is sort of in the middle. You know uh, that that we're mm -hmm. talking about something that's 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 very much so in progress, mm -hmm. and I know that Steve Eiserman doesn't give a, a, a rat's butt about what the media says. He's going to stick with his instincts, stick with the uh, counsel of people like Chris Draper and Nicholas Lidstrom and mm. the Red Wings scouts and the Red Wings front office, Jimmy DeVolano, mm -hmm. you know. Um, that's all important in itself. And then when we're talking about um, the rest of it, Refresh my memory here because I got off on a tangent. <laughs> oh, um, well, I was just kind of get, trying to get into the the, the topic Babcock of Mike Babcock issue. with the whole yeah. issue with Columbus. That just, that came to a head a while they were here in town. Yeah, that and, 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 he, was, and, he, and he was up in the stands watching and he games. Was here, yeah. yeah. Oh, that coach was here. Yeah, Babcock was here. Um, it, it's a situation that that I want to tread lightly on because. Mm. I've had some good experiences it, with Babcock, and I've had some terrible experiences with Babcock. It seems weird, and yeah, I'm. I mean, being in the media, same thing. You know, Babcock was hot or cold. Yeah. Sometimes he was, he was he, really cool and like wanted to be your friend. Sometimes he and was sometimes, a monster. Yeah. You know. You know. Um, but but it's, the whole thing with Columbus and why he stepped down seems. Yeah, that that that, and odd. again, talking about a podcast and uh, the spit and chicklets guys, uh, yeah. Paul Bissonnette, finding out that. Babcock has been for a while asking players to show their phones and 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 uh, show their pictures on their cast phones. their phones onto the onto oh, the video yeah, screen sure. in the locker room, showing yeah. pictures of their family. Oh, yeah. yeah, supposedly no. an attempt to the, get the it's players to, to, get know to know each know other each and other. bond. But <clears throat> the story that I understand is that the NHLPA, under their new executive director, did an investigation and they found what the veteran players were comfortable with the younger players weren't so comfortable with and that that there were some meetings there was i think uh espn or the athletic may have reported that that athletic. there was a meeting that went uh, that didn't happen during a a, a, pra a practice facility visit that happened somewhere else mm -hmm. and they they just felt that that he crossed the line and and we live in an age where these mm -hmm. are younger people um, you know, Gen Z, you know, as they say, you know, uh, the millennials are in their 30s now, so these are younger kids. Mm -hmm. They're on their phones. Um, what they do on their phones is personal and private, and being asked by an NHL coach, show me pictures of your family, um, you can, I mean, just normal human beings, we all have embarrassing crap on our phones. You know? Yeah, and to let somebody else sit there and be able to swipe through your pictures. Yeah, and to get, to get, to get sort of confronted and, and, and asked to, to show pictures of your family so that he can get to know you better. You know, in this day and age, that crosses the line. Yeah. 
whether that is a good thing or a bad thing yeah. is up to Maybe he should have just said, determine. hey, send me some photos yes. of your family. <laughs> not let me look at your photo and look yeah, for them. Yeah, let me not look at your phone and, and yeah. go through it. Um, you know, um, but it, t- part of me is very disappointed and sad that because the, he was a good coach, mm-hmm. he, he, he won a Stanley Cup for the Red Wings, um, you know, he had a winning record and, um, but he, and he's 60 years old, he's a family man, he's got, two, he's got grown kids, you know, he wanted to get back into the game, his son Michael Jr. is is working with the St. Louis Blues now, mm-hmm. but and Babcock made a lot of money too. He made fifty million dollars from the Toronto Maple Leafs, so he's wow. set for life. He's sixty. He's a family man. He's gonna be okay. <laughs> yep. You know, and I wish him all the best as a human being. As a coach, I have very mixed feelings because sometimes he was fantastic. You know, uh, in his later years as a coach in Toronto, he t- he worked on mental health issues. Um, he he mm-hmm. was very progressive there, but but there was definitely a scorched earth aspect to the way that he he ran his ship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you remember the games that he played with us in terms of whether we could cross through center ice or, or cross through the 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 video area, or whether we had to walk up over the stands. And and down the st- up the stairs, down the stairs, because that center ice vestibule was was off limits and sacred at land. And you know, he, uh, my understanding, uh, just very honestly, is that some people he treated very well in Detroit, and some people he treated very poorly in the media. Mm-hmm. And that if you he didn't like you, you were not treated so well. Mm-hmm. He mellowed a bit when he went to Toronto. But there were still situations where mm-hmm. if he liked you, he treated you one way, and if you, if you, had if you asked the wrong question at the wrong time or just got Babs on a bad day, you know it was not so pleasant. Yeah. And my, you know, the the assumption here, and it is a big assumption, especially given what Johan Franzen told the Swedish newspapers, uh, what Chris Chelios said about getting benched during the Winter Classic, what Mike Madonna has said about getting benched in what would have been his 1500th game, Ooh. you know, there were some things he did to step on toes and, and to prove that he, he was a, a dictatorial coach that proved that he was a bit of a dictatorial coach. So mm-hmm. it is what it is. Yeah. It, and like I said, I wish him all the best as a family man. I wish him all the best as a human being. Um, as a coach, was it past his time? Probably. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he was a little bit old school. He was an old school. And, and old school won him a lot of games. Old school won him a lot of games. Yeah. New era, though. But by the time he was done in Detroit and, and flirting with the Maple Leafs, you know, there was a sense that the players wanted him done, uh, that they needed a new they, – they didn't just need a new voice. They needed a new – new set of eyes and and I, I mean Eiserman is still kind of old school but he's well respected well respected everywhere you know mm-hmm. Ken Holland would would and and Steve and um and, and Mike Babcock in both of their last years in in Detroit were kind of like if you don't like it if you don't like what's happening uh come to us but more more than anything shove it 
you know, and that's not the greatest attitude mm -hmm. to have with younger and younger players these days. So mm -hmm. it is what it is. Um, uh, yeah. I'm not disappointed um, for the as far as uh, what the, the consequences of the actions because this in this day and age they cross a line. Yeah. I do have one question though. Um, I'm not sure, how I'm, but um, as far as this upcoming season. Seven, you guys haven't made playoffs in seven years. It's been a right. while. As far as this year being the year that you guys make playoffs, in your eyes, after what you saw at Prospect Camp, training camp coming up, you were there last year, you saw the progression, I guess is the way to, everything, the Iserman plan. Is, right, the Iser plan. And, do you yeah. see the Iser plan working this year, as in this is the year that the Iser plan see, fl flows and everyone who didn't like it Kind of Steve Eiserman has said very honestly in a couple of uh, off-ice appearances this summer that the goal is not to make the playoffs this season per se. What's the goal? That the goal is to build a team that can win a Stanley Cup over time. Interesting. You know, that's a that's a hard route to take when you've got fans who are mm -hmm. very anxious to bring back the glory days. Um, but yeah, he played yeah. in. But but the fans are looking at step one, and he's looking at step seven. Yeah, and he's looking at step seven, maybe out of step ten or twelve or fourteen. Yeah, and is he impatient? He, yeah, he definitely says <laughs> he, 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 like he definitely admits that he's impatient. That he wants to get back to the um, the days when the Red Wings would contend for a playoff spot every year. Yeah, this year, second year co uh, for Derek Lalone, um, second year for his staff with a deeper team. Um, with Alex Dabrinkit to score goals, um, you're looking at a team that really wants to be playoff relevant, you know, because Ottawa and uh, yep. Buffalo yep. are getting better. Um, writing off, off of Buffalo right, too. Writing off Boston is dangerous. Don't ever do that. You know, um, Toronto is going to be Toronto. Yeah. Um, you know, only Montreal is really going to struggle. Dylan Larkin had a great quote, um, it was either Michael Russo or um, uh, somebody from the score that got the quote. Um, Dylan Larkin was asked about playing in the Atlantic Division, and he said, and I quote, it's hell. <laughs> you know, that, that, that this is really the deepest division in the NHL. But the Red Wings want to be relevant to talking about being in contention for a playoff spot from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. Last year kind of mm -hmm. seemed like that a little bit. They were until those back-to-back -back games Correct. with Ottawa yep. that just absolutely destroyed their hopes and destroyed their confidence in themselves. Mm -hmm. And they don't want to repeat of that. They don't want to be... I know that the players and the coaching staff and the management, they don't want to be sellers at the trade deadline again. If they have to be, if, if, the, if the record doesn't pan out, Eiserman will do what he has to do. The management will do what they have to do. Mm -hmm. But they feel going forward, they can be at least a team that you're talking about being playoff relevant. Yeah. And I still think that everything is going to have to go right for them to make the playoffs in the Atlantic Division. They would have to be trying to earn one of those crossover wildcard spots mm -hmm. where you end up crossing over into the Metropolitan Division. Um, as a as mm -hmm. a wild card team, because the Atlantic is just so stacked. But um, can it happen? Yeah. Will it happen? Probably not. <laughs> but 
if they're again playoff relevant if they're there's there are possibilities of of them getting to into the playoff spot that's progress for the mm-hmm. whole year that that's the thing is the whole year the wheels have fell off, fallen off the last two years around the middle of the season yep and when the wheels fall off and you're subject to those second halves of the season that just absolutely drain the life out of you as a fan, as a partisan, mm-hmm. as even as a media member, you know, people tuning out the Red Wings uh, because they just can't watch and them struggle so badly. Lock, didn't Larkin just get a new deal last year too? Yeah, was yeah last Larkin year. resigned. He's got a long-term and deal. Yeah, he's he's going to be here for the rest of his career, and he has. But he has said that he wants the second half of his career to be a lot better than the first half of his career was. That that he's. <clears throat> Getting impatient at twenty-seven years of age. It's just prime um, year, like twenty-seven, like isn't yeah. it like twenty-five or like thirty-ish. Like, isn't yeah, that what he's, he is supposed? He to doesn't say? want to waste his prime. I would, you know. Um, he wants to be in Detroit, but you know, are they going to get that kick in the pants, the hockey pants that allows them to make the playoffs this year? I don't know. Um, I think that I think that it's one of the hardest things in sports and in broadcasting and blogging to admit that you don't know something. <laughs> I think that it's, that, and I think that it can be a courageous thing to say because I don't know means that you don't know everything, that you're not a know-it-all, and that you don't have a crystal ball, and I have none of those things. I mean, we all don't. But, um, like I said, that they want to be in the discussion and they don't want to fall off. Uh, you and I talked about Vili Husso and mm-hmm. how the wheels fell off for him. Um, they don't want to see that in the goal again. Uh, they don't want to repeat the awful special teams, the power play and the penalty kill being mm-hmm. so very poor. They don't want to, it's, it's details, you know, and, and, and mm-hmm. if, if fans want to know what they're going to start seeing on Thursday at, at um, you know, Center Ice Arena, it's detail work. It's it, it's work ethic. It's structure. Um, these coaches spend you know days and days and weeks preparing their initial curriculum. It's almost like being a teacher. And and on the first day of school, um, you know, you try and set the tone for the semester. And mm-hmm. that's what they're go- that's what you're going to see from the coaching staff. And it it builds the lessons build upon each other each day. Um, you know, as as somebody who who almost had a, a teaching degree before I kind of bombed out uh, of <laughs> of the school education, realizing that it just wasn't the career for me, it's still kind of exciting to watch them learning and to watch the coaches applying those lessons um, and their lesson plans. Um, it's it's neat, mm-hmm. you know, you know, because um, you don't get the opportunity of, at to to see that every day. And the part, and the mm-hmm. the thing that is great about the part, the heart, the the first part of the season and, and the preseason, is that there's hope, even even for a team that that wants to be a borderline playoff team in the Red Wings, there's hope, mm-hmm. and there is this belief that things can be better than they were the pre the previous season, and that's the you know. 
Detroit sports in general, <laughs> you know, um, Michigan mm. sports in, in, in general to some extent with some very few exceptions, you, you want some hope you, and, and you want some, some realistic um, belief that there can be some success. Whether that leads to the playoffs or mm-hmm. not, I'm not sure. But mm-hmm. um, only way up. The only way. The only way, up, the only yep. way out is through. There you go. Yep. Thank you. I was trying to think that through. <laughs> Thank and, you. And the other one is 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 the quote that old Babcock used to use: "Adapt or die." Oh, and the boy. Red Wings want to adapt. Mm-hmm. They certainly don't want to. Yep. Well, and that starts awesome. Thursday. Starts, starts Thursday. Thursday goes through Monday at Center Ice Arena. Yeah. So. The red-white game's already sold out, I know, but uh, there's some tickets wow. available for some of the other uh, practice wow. sessions. Wow. And uh, so if people want to get those, they can pick those up at, I think it's centerice.org. Yeah. And, uh, George, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks, always, man. always a pleasure to have you come on. Um, look at uh, George's work on the Malik Report online um, and, uh, and keep up with the Red Wings throughout the season. And the artist formerly known as Twitter, it's just George Malik. So nice. uh, I'm, I'm active on there, too. Nice. Thanks a lot. Nice, Thank man. you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks, you guys. All right, thanks again to George Malik for joining James and Jordan in the Get Around Podcast studio. That interview, along with episode 259 of the Get Around Podcast, is brought to you by Jimmy John. So let's hear a word from our sponsor. This episode of the Get Around Podcast is sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations here in Traverse City. Jimmy John's spends six hours slicing and baking every day to make you a 30-second sandwich. Jimmy John's, freaky fresh, freaky fast. Freak yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, get around Hall of Fame time. Yeah. We have got three athletes up for our Athlete of the Week award. I will get us started. Gaylord's Katie Berkshire, she ran a 1909.5. And, in fact, probably should have nominated her last week because she somehow ran a personal record at the Charlevoix Mud Run. Hmm. She ran a PR at the Mud Run. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's impressive. Yes, a it mud is. I don't run. know if uh, I've covered the mud run. Have you guys ever covered the? Yes, the 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 one that they did at Grand Traverse Academy. Oh, that's right. You did the Grand Traverse Academy mm-hmm. mud run, James. Have that you was ever fun. That was actually fun. Not in person, no. Okay, yeah, that's it's some mud on me. They are great photo opportunities. Oh yes, yes, wonderful photo opportunities. That's the only reason to cover it, really, because. You get a lot of good photos, but she, she uh, yeah, she ran an 18:45 at the Mud Run for a personal record, and this week uh, she ran a 19:09.5 to win the bronze division uh, at the Friday's Michigan State University Spartan Invitational, uh, which was three seconds ahead of the runner-up. It's one of the biggest cross-country races in the state, and there were almost 300 girls uh, racing in that division alone. Uh, and she has also won all three of the races uh, that she's competed in this season. So, Gaylord's Katie Berkshire is my nomination. Jordan, your nomination. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go up the street to Kingsley. Eli, Eli Graves, uh, he had like a, I like to consider it, he had a Madden, like stat night. Uh, two, 205 rushing, uh, 12 carries, 205 rushing, a 9-yard touchdown, a 52-yard touchdown, a 75-yard touchdown, a 34-yard touchdown, 
wait for it, a 67-yard touchdown. That's pretty much all he had. And, yeah, it, it, that's that's a Madden likes that, that night. That's all? I think so. Even even <laughs> when, when I talked to head coach pretty much Tim Moore, when I, when, when, when I talked to Tim Moore, he was like, even he sound, he was impressed. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Tim Moore rarely sounds impressed. But even he was like, wow, okay. One, he had a, two, he had a game. Three, mm-hmm. James, your nomination. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Leah Fleece from nice. Lake Leonard St. Mary. Uh, they played in the Anekma tournament over the weekend. They played in four matches, and she had 88 kills. Wow. Yeah, that's a will. 22 kills on average per game in in matches that were only best of three. And none of them, only, only actually, no, yeah, none of the ones went three matches, I think. Okay. Or went three sets. They all oh, went wow. two. So that's. Wow. That's averaging 11 kills per set. That's impressive. <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. All right. Uh, let's let's vote, and we'll start. We'll go backward. We'll start with you, James. Who gets your vote this week for Athlete of the Week and enshrinement into the Get Around Hall of Fame? I'll, I'll go with the Eli Graves because that's five touchdowns. Five touchdowns. Almost half the time he touched the ball, he got a touchdown. Yes. Five out of 12 carries. Madden stat-like right. numbers. Mine's Eli Graves. Madden stat-like numbers. All right, I will make it unanimous, even though uh, I'd like to vote for mine. Uh, I think uh, Katie Berkshire did an incredible job winning, uh, being the best among nearly 300 competitors. But, yeah, congratulations, Eli Graves from Kingsley. You are the latest inductee into the Get Around Hall of Fame, the most exclusive club in northern Michigan. Let us end the show now with our happy endings, what made you happy inside and outside of sports. I teased it. At the top of the show, I will tell you guys now what made me happy inside of sports. So I'm sitting in the office Friday night. I am putting the finishing touches on my feature for the Frankfurt Ironman, which was uh, on Sunday. My story that I wrote about Ella Gaylord and Paul Gerhardt. Um, Great story. uh, Wonderful conversation with both of them. Ella's 18 years old. She's a recent Benzie Central graduate. This was her first time doing the uh, the Ironman, and uh, really, really uh, impressive stuff. Also very honest with how she talked about how she was feeling going into it. Um, Paul was just smiling the whole time. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys saw in the story, but uh, he accidentally, he, he in his training for this, he did a full Ironman, and he accidentally ran two miles past the marathon that he needed to do. So, so he did more? He did more in a wow. thunderstorm. Um, yes. Iron Man Plus. That yeah. is an Iron Man Plus. So I'm putting the finishing touches. I, I had written it. I think I had pretty much wrapped it up Thursday night, and I sat on it. I like to I like to do that with my features. I like to get it finished. I like to sit on it for a day, and then I like to go back, read it, and make any changes and you know catch any errors and all those things. So I finished it up. And I look down, and this is where it gets inside baseball, <laughs> right? So how we measure stories is in inches, right? Column inches is how we, we measure. People usually be like, oh, how many words was it? Uh, each inch is, what, 25 words? 24, 25 words. Okay. Yeah. Like that. So how long is uh, the Frankfurt Ironman? 70.3. 70.3 miles. Yeah. How many inches oh boy, here we go. was my story? <laughs> Let me guess. 
Over. 70.3. 70.3. <laughs> I looked down when I had it finished. I looked <clears throat> down. I saw that I was in the office. The elation that I felt. You must be so the, proud. The preview that I wrote. And I didn't. And I uh, and Brian Steele, our, our fearless uh, layout uh, editor, he was in the office. And I had to tell someone. He was so proud. And, he, and, I, I, and he's like, did you do that on purpose? I said, no. It was a complete accident. And... Uh, he's like, well, you have to, you can't touch it. You have to leave it like that. And I'm like, yeah, well, it's done. I've, I've edited it. It's, it's all good. <laughs> um, and that is what made me happy this week. I that, love that. That dumb you, little thing of my story about the Frankfurt Ironman, which is 70.3 miles being 70.3 inches. And that is awesome. It was, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Brought a big smile to my face. So that's what made me happy this week. Uh, what about you guys? Uh, I mean, it's cool just getting to run into Brett this weekend, you know, hanging around. We went, you know, went out for a couple of drinks, the little fleet and coin slot. And I love the coin slot. Had, had, had some food, did some chatting. Nice. Did some, uh, you know, white guy dancing <laughs> at the the coin slot because they had a band playing, cover band playing. Heck yeah. Oh, who was there? Uh, One Hot Robot. Oh, okay. Very good. Yeah. Very good cover band. There is, there's a band around here, um, Protea. Hmm. I don't know if you've heard them. I've heard of them. They are awesome. Where do you? Uh, where did you hear them at? Uh, I heard them. At, they were playing in the patio area of uh, Blue Tractor, mm-hmm. which you talked about. Are they last a cover week? band? Are they do originals or what are they? Jeez. They uh, are both. But they, that night they okay. were doing uh, all all covers, and the female lead vocalist. Um, they did a cover of Radiohead's Creep. Oh, my. And awesome. she killed it. Oh, okay, cool. I mean, just absolutely nailed it. It was so good. And, uh, yeah, they were awesome. So, But, yeah, One Hot Robot. I like that name, too. That's a, that's a good band name. That is. Yeah. yeah, they were playing up, you know, up on top of the, yeah. the storage container. Yeah. Oh, there. that's so cool. That was cool. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, Portea's played there before, too, at the coin slot. Okay, I'll, so. ch- I'll check them out. There was another good cover band that I saw a couple years ago at the Hayloft that plays around Traverse City a lot. But I can't remember what their name is, though, now. Yeah, I, I like the, the cover band music scene in Traverse City. Mm-hmm. It's pretty yeah, good. It's new for me. It's pretty good. It's new for me. I've liked it. It's cool. I enjoyed so, it. All right, yeah, that's a, that's a good thing to make you happy, running yeah. into uh, our, our former uh, colleague here at the Record Eagle, Brett Summers. Mm-hmm. And his wife, Kylan, who worked here as well. Right. Oh, nice. Awesome. Jordan, what made you happy this week? Watch. I know a lot of people are probably even annoyed of him or may not be big fans of him. I've secretly, since probably since high school, I've secretly been a big Deion Sanders fan. Secretly. Just because whenever I say that name, there's some people like my mom, who's not a fan of him for, for some reasons. But I've, I've gravitated each week watching. Just I stayed up at 10 o'clock, went to bed at 2.30, Knowing I had the Iron Man in a few hours, I stayed up to watch Colorado versus Colorado State play. Knowing uh, I'm just Deion Sanders did that. I'm not. There's no way you're catching me watching Colorado Colorado State last year. No, no chance. I did this year. It's been so fun. I mean, it's 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 cool. It's it's different. He's bringing a different element of football, college football, that is unheard of to for some college football watchers who've watched it way before he was even playing it's new it's a lot of his 
charisma of what I think it's his cockiness. I like feed off of that. Like that's something that I've always looked up. To. I've looked up to Dion a lot, and just being able to be a two-sport athlete and dominate literally, dominate those two sports, and he can talk the talk and back it up. I mean, you, all you can do is just have much respect for the guy, and that's. And it's been fun watching uh, Dion do what he does in at Colorado. I watched him at Jackson State last year. I watched all their games last year. I was one of those that believed. Whenever he talks about, oh, did you believe? Did you believe? Like, I did. So it's been fun. So I hope they're undefeated when they play USC in a few weeks because I want USC to spoil that. So I'm already calling it out. So that's what made me happy this week, just watching watching Diaz Sanders coach football and his son and the two-sport athlete, Travis Hunter, who I hope comes back in a few weeks. But, yeah, watching Deion Sanders coach, that's, that's what made me happy this week. All right, well, I'm glad that uh, there are a lot of things out there making all of us happy here in the Get Around Podcast studio. That will bring to a close episode 259 of the Get Around. Uh, thanks again to George Malik for joining James and Jordan earlier in the show to talk about the Red Wings. And remember that uh, Red Wings training camp starts on Thursday, runs through Monday. The Red and White game, which is sold out, uh, is Sunday at noon at Center Ice. Lots of good action coming up in high school sports, great football games, good volleyball games, cross-country, tennis, soccer, everything, a lot going on. Uh, Plus the Traverse City Tritons have a home swim meet on Thursday. Uh, So if you want to go out and watch some high school swimming, check that out as well. A lot of good things going on, and we will do our best here at the Record Eagle to cover as much of it as we possibly can. Until next week, I've been your host, Brendan Queeley. Thanks to James, Jordan, and our loyal Audible viewers. Episode 259 of the Get Around Podcast is in the books. Good job, everybody.